Hello, and welcome to the Game On Podcast. My name is Adam Bello. I am the CEO and co-founder of Breakout EDU, but I'm also a father, a serial ed tech entrepreneur, and an advocate for positive change in the classroom. Each episode of the Game On Podcast is going to feature a new voice from someone who's making an amazing impact and helping to pave the way for the future of education. We're going to get to explore their ideas and opinions, as well as learn from those successes and failures from these amazing educational gurus. All right, let's get started. All right, welcome to the Game On Podcast. I'm your host, Annabella, and I'm so excited to be joined by an incredible, amazing educator and advocate for social change in education, and just a good friend. So Adam File, thank you so much for being here. Adam is the uh, Director of Technology for the school district in uh, Newton County, which is in Georgia. And he's also an ISTE board member and has multiple podcasts of his own and, and other things. So, Adam, welcome. And why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? You know what? I'd say this is the first time I've ever been introduced by an Adam. So thank you, Adam, for introducing Adam <laughs> to this podcast. Oh, you're welcome, Adam. <laughs> you're welcome, Adam. It's my pleasure. You know, when you're doing that, it, you're almost like The Rock. You're talking in third person. You know, Adam wants to introduce... Uh, <laughs> It, it does sound weird. And, and you know, as as you know, and, and, and the audience may know as well, we run in a relatively tight knit a circle and it's, you know, we are the two Adams mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it, it's fun. Yeah. You know, people get us confused all the time, you know, uh, I, have to, I have to make sure yeah. I let them know I'm the black Adam, um, you know, because they, 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 they're all mixed up. <laughs> well, that goes right back to the rock. What a, what a segue. Hey, there, there we go. So, uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, it is great to have you here. Always fun to chat. And uh, yeah, as I said, why don't don't you tell us a a little bit about you for for those of you that don't know you yet? Well, um, I have been in education. Gosh, I remember being the young teacher in the building now. That's how long I've been doing this, Um, you know, (laughs) getting around that 20 year mark of doing education. A former high school science teacher, uh, you know, was always that guy that was doing all the stuff with technology in the classroom. Um, had my, uh, I was the one with the MacBook, figuring out how to use a scan converter, doing all these things. And this became that teacher that was helping other teachers make their classroom more engaging. And from there, you know, the technology bug bit me, instructional technology, now technology director, been doing this for a while now in, um, in Covington, Georgia, also known as the Hollywood of the South. We've trademarked that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we uh, do a lot of filming of your, if you're ever into those like vampire diary shows or whatever, I've never watched them, but they film those and stuff around <laughs> in my neighborhood. Um, just got done filming, I think the color purple or something. So uh, re- really awesome stuff happening around here. Uh, re- just really get involved with uh, students, really trying to put them in opportunities to succeed. Uh, it's one of the things I've been a, a huge advocate for, and not just the students, but also with our parents, because we often forget that the quickest way to change someone's social economic uh, makeup setting is to give their parents those opportunities. I always it always blows my mind. When we tell kids, "Hey, stay in school and do do work, do your work. One day you're going to make money." Reminds me of those old milk commercials. You know, it's like uh, you, you see the kid drinking milk and like in a few years I'm going to be. And then all of a sudden it's like this hot supermodel or just like crazy athlete. And that's kind of like a pipe dream we sell kids when it's like, hey, there's opportunities in our communities right now with these STEM jobs, uh, where if we tell our parents, connect with our, our corporate partners, we can turn around and in 18 months, 12 months, change their uh, whole standard of living. So those are some things that we've been focusing in on. I know I said a lot. So there you go. No, but it's so important. I love that last point. I think that's so, so big. A lot of times we just overlook those opportunities that are right, that are right there, um, you know. For, for a number of reasons. So that that's awesome that you're making those connections for folks. 
Awesome. Well, we're going to get into the, uh, the 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 heart of this over here, and we like to kick it off. You know, obviously, at Breakout, games are super important to us. So our level one question is about games, and I want to know what was your favorite game to play as a kid, and what's your favorite game now? What are you playing now? Ooh, ooh. See, as a kid growing up, uh, <laughs> you know what? It was one of those things where I I was joking my department. I was one of the poor's growing up. I was one of six kids, so. <laughs> <laughs> when we get things, it would always be a family gift. So uh, growing up, like we would get board games a lot of times, like holidays, like Christmas, uh, birthdays, like it would be something that everyone could participate in. So, you know, always grew up with having different board games that we played. Um, and then I was so excited when we first got our Nintendo. You know, so that was the thing. Of course, you know, you had your Nintendo and then we had the the OG, the one that came with Duck Hunt and Mario. And you had nice. the Zapper on there. So <laughs> You know, I got to take it back. My my favorite game, of course, growing up was just original Mario. Like I ran through that game so many times, frontwards and backwards, because once again, like I said, I was one of the poors. So we had that game. We played Mario for like two years before we finally got our second game. But I, I do remember like going to the Blockbuster movie gallery. You know, that was just like that that thing where you could rent that game. And then you would play it and then you couldn't turn off the Nintendos, but you could turn off the TV and then you had to pick, turn it back on. So, you know, the classics, the, my Zelda, you know, Metroid, you know, those things. But yeah, Mario, the original OG Mario, was my favorite one growing up. Now, today, I'm super lame because my wife doesn't let me out the house much. So <laughs> uh, I connect with my buddies and we'll get on Call of Duty um, and we'll play that. Um, as I mentioned, one of six kids, I have uh, twin brothers that are gosh they're 30 now so they're in different parts of the country so we will connect and play so it's one of those really cool things where we'll sit around get in a party chat you know just 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 chopping it up just telling talking about crazy things our parents did or what's going on in our lives so that's i mean that's just like what we do to connect and kind of have that fun stuff that you know as siblings and also as my friends and my buddies from college. So that's one thing I can really say that I love how technology has, has bridged those gaps and allowed people to connect. And one of my best buds that I've, I've made, actually, I met him playing Call of Duty, like, gosh, about eight or nine years ago. And wow. to the tune of like, we met online through a mutual friend and then the mutual friend stopped playing. And then so me and the, my friend started playing now he got married recently and I was in his wedding. So it was like one of those amazing things that technology connected to people that had nothing in common with each other prior to that. And now we're best buds. We'll call each other all the time and trade barbecue recipes. So, you know, those are those amazing things technology can do. Oh, that is amazing. That is so awesome. Yeah. It brings me back. Cause I remember the first, the first Nintendo, actually, I remember my cousins got it for whatever holiday it was 85, 86, whenever it came out and um, they wouldn't let us play. So my parents went out and for the holidays, they got us a Nintendo. But after three days, they felt it was too addicting for us, and they got rid of it. So I had an Nintendo. They were worried about screen time. That's right. That's right. Well, my parents were both teachers, and they were very into the fact that it's like, hey, you know, I had a computer in my room, and I was able to do creative things with it, like coding and and drawing, and and I did you know rudimentary things on the computer. But the the video games, they were very against it. So my friend down the street, who uh, actually, ironically, I moved, and he still lives down the street from me. He he moved as well. (laughs) Um, I remember many, many, many days and sleepovers playing in Mario and all those, especially Mario and Mario three as well. Uh, oh yeah, house. yeah, yeah. So just, uh, yeah, when you get the war back. whistle, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I love it. All right. We're going to kick it up into level two and level two is about your history, your origin story. So everyone's got mm. one. 
I'd love to know what kind of, you know, we talked about the roles that you have now and how you've been in the classroom for 20 years or we're in the classroom as a science teacher and moved into the administration side of things. Um, what is it that put you on the path to become who you are today and doing the work that you're doing? You know, it, well, you know, I was working in a lab w late one night and lightning struck <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> And you became the Flash? Oh, okay. Oh, different origin story. Different origin <laughs> story. All right. So, <laughs> but you know, fun, funny story though. When um when I was in school, I was always you know fairly good. I was a fairly good kid uh, as far as academics go. Uh, behavior, we'll, we'll we'll leave that for another day. But uh, you know, the A A B kid didn't really have to try too hard in in the class. So you know, I knew I was going to do something, but I didn't quite know what. I knew I was going to be able to do something in a field where I could kind of help people, maybe. So. Got to college, I was going to do occupational therapy. Um, really didn't feel too strongly about it, but I literally got online and figured out the job trajectory path. And like, okay, well, this one's going to make this one's going to grow. It's going to be decent money in the next, you know, 10, 15 years. I probably go in that area. But then when I was in college, I was taking a course, a uh, math class. Math never been my strongest class, but apparently I was killing it in this math class. And so these, uh, my my peers were like, "Hey, Adam, you know, you got this stuff. You ace this test. You know, I want to study with you." And I was like, "Oh, sure." Um, it didn't uh, hurt that it was all the ladies that was asking. So I was like, "Hey, yes, you can. Uh, I can. You can tutor. I can tutor you. Sure, sure, sure." So I had these tutoring sessions, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, Adam, you're doing a better job explaining this than the professor." Um, you have a knack for making the complex seem simple. And then that's when it hit me that mm, maybe I should be an educator. And then I looked at what educators make and I was like, crap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I followed that passion. But since I was uh, at that point, I was taking a lot of science classes. I knew a lot of pre-med majors. My goal was then to just marry a doctor. I'm like, okay, well, I can be the broke teacher and I can marry a doctor. Uh, that was my game plan. And um when I was in college, I was at a party, met this young lady and, uh, you know, fell in love. And then we started dating. And then I said, hey, what's your major? She's an education. And I was like, crap. So needless to say, um, <laughs> I'm an educator and I married an educator. My plan didn't work out uh, <laughs> at all. <laughs> but that's how I ended up in education. But uh, and as I mentioned earlier, um, I was just always that teacher looking for different ways to do things. Uh, going back to when I would see a a karaoke game. I'm like, okay, is there a way that I can bring this into my classroom? Um, it, I was always that teacher trying to find those new innovative ways to get students engaged in the, in the process of learning. And so from there, I started doing those things and other teachers started noticing um, the, the kids want to go to your class. They're skipping my class to come back to your class. And so then I started helping other teachers do those things. And it was more rewarding. I was seeing that I could have a bigger impact by helping more teachers do these strategies and just my kids. So teaching high school, multiple peers had 120 kids I taught per day, per day or something. But now by um, helping all these other teachers, now I'm helping thousands of students get better strategies, get better engaged, build more relationships in the classroom. So from that's how I just kind of left the classroom and started helping more teachers and do these things. And now to be able to have a platform, whether it's through Future Ready Schools, um, with our podcast that I do with Carl Hooker um, called Undisrupted or keynoting or presenting at conferences, really giving teachers and educators and parents more opportunities to really get um, their children and students involved in this learning process and really grow. I love that. I love that. And I feel like, you know, it's funny, it's a, it's a very common theme, I think, in terms of like, you know, some of it mirrors my own story in terms of wanting to always whatever moves I was making, I always like to, I joke and I say I failed upwards, but I think in a lot yeah. of ways it was like, you know, 
I did get to do that same similar path where it was like teaching to technology training specialists. So I was working with the district and a tech director for multiple districts. So like that, that type of, um, that growth where you're always able to try to impact more and more folks. And, you know, your reach has been extensive, both, both from all the speaking you've been doing and, and, uh, you know, the, the podcast and everything else said, which is, which is great yeah. that you get to get that positive message out there. Um, well, and, and, you know, the crazy thing with that, like when you're doing this, you don't realize your impact at times until somebody comes up to you at a conference or out the blue. Because, I mean, you're just doing it. I mean, I think most people who are doing this the right way are not trying to do it for the glory or, you know, seeing their name and lights yep. on a Web page or whatever. But, you know, you're at a conference and I remember uh, vividly it was like two years ago or two, three, three, three years ago at um, our Georgia EdTech conference. And um I was not presenting at the conference. I was just there uh, with my team from Newton County. And this lady comes and she's like, Adam, Adam. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, what did I do? <laughs> she's like, are you presenting? And I'm like, no, no, I'm just kind of here observing and hopping in sessions this time around. She's like, oh my gosh, I know you don't remember this, but seven years ago you presented on this app and um, and I grabbed that you were talking about how students that suffer from um, dyslexia could use this app. And I grabbed it and I, my, my son uses it and that changed his life. And he's doing I was just like, wow, like it was just an app that I ran across and we were doing an app share and I shared some strategies. But to that, I shared that one thing. You know, seven years ago, it made a impression on that lady that she had to track me down and tell me this. She was like, you know, I had to tell you this. She said, I didn't want to write it on Twitter. I wanted to see you wow. in person and tell you the impact and keep doing what you're doing. I was like, thank you. Like, it just really just made my day. And those are those stories that just, you know, all the BS that we deal with in our profession, you, you throw all that out the window. Those yeah. moments are yeah, like, I mean, it's oh. bucket filling. You know, I mean, like, it geez. really, really is. It's, it's, <laughs> and, and I would venture to say that, that, you know, folks like yourself, you know, the impact you, you don't even see the ripples, you know, this is someone that got the opportunity to come up and tell you, but I, I would be willing to bet that there are so many that, you know, while you had that profound impact, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily shared. And as you said, we don't do it for that. Like no one goes up there to make a speech to, to necessarily have, have that moment of gratitude. You do it to have the moment of impact. And I think that that's, you know, that that's really special. That's awesome. Yeah. It's even like beyond the bucket filling now. Cause in 2022, if you're in education, you're not just pouring out into other people's bucket. You're getting your bucket poked holes in. So, so, so you know, th stories like that, they, they patch your bucket. They, they, you know, they even will give you a new bucket when those things happen because, you know, you're always getting attacked from all these different sides and, you know, talking heads and people who think, you know, oh, like too much screen time or what are we doing with technology or, you know, we don't need this or do that. And then you're constantly defending you know, what you're doing. But when you get those opportunities, it's like, okay, yeah, we, I am doing, or we are doing the right work. We are doing what's best for kids. Yes. You know, we are doing what we need to do. Th those are those moments that really make life and your job, you know, make you want to stay in the profession a little bit longer. Our level three question does go and talk about challenges. What has been the biggest challenge or obstacle that you've overcome in your journey to get where you are, to be able to make that impact? Um, well, there's been so many, you know, I, I think there's been a lot. I can actually say I've been uh, I've been definitely blessed uh, to be in in the right company with the right people, meeting people like yourself. Um, because we we all know you have to have the skill, but then you also have to have the connections and the relationships. You know, there's a power of connections, um, as a um, mutual friend Matt Joseph would say, uh, to really open up doors and have opportunities. Uh, but with that also being said, uh, I'm not colorblind. I do know that I am a black male in a 
profession that is not dominated by black male professionals. It's a traditionally white male profession. And so I know that some of the challenges that I've, I've faced um, has been the fact that I've been rep- the minority uh, representing. And so it's it's very difficult at times when you're in the room and questions come up and it's like, OK, Adam, speak for all the minorities. It's like, hey, that's not my job. That's not what I do. But I'm here. So let me do that. Um, you know, I've served on state panels, uh, you know, national panels. And then when you look around the room and I'm the face that looks like me, it's, that's it. And it's and so it's comes to, OK, we're dealing with this thing of. Which is funny. It's like, oh, we're talking about Title One and poverty schools. Hey, Adam, it's like, what are you saying? Like, not all black students in, are from impoverished inner city. Yeah. So it, it's those kind of, um, and I'm not going to say like it's not it's not a racist thing. Is 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 this is this ignorance on certain things? So it's it's that education piece that I have to also bring and be aware of in those environments um, that I have to let people know that hey, there's other sides to the story. Um, you have to give students mirror and window opportunities and you have to look at uh, the bigger picture at times. It's not just uh, one perspective. So if I give a perspective and I always say, hey, this is Adam's perspective from my experience, from what I've been able to do. I'm not speaking for every black student or every uh, minority in in the country. Um, you need to we need to shake this room up. We need to disrupt this room and and have some uh, different faces, different voices, uh, so we can make uh, the best decisions for all students, not just what we think they want. Uh, same thing for educators and and parents. So that's just like the biggest challenge I've, that I faced, and you know, trying to do the right work, trying to get the right people in the room to all have voices to make these things happen. My question to you, and this is kind of like a, a bonus round, to, so to speak, H- have you seen that starting to change? Because I know you've been in those rooms because your voice is, you know, whether whether or not you feel it was because you were invited to the room because you're a mm-hmm. black male and, and, you know, initially, you know, even people listening to you for two seconds know that that your voice is, is the most, you know, one of the most effective and, and meaningful voices to hear from. That it's not just a oh I'm I'm picked from tokenism right. or anything like that. Do you feel that that's changing? Do you feel like you're getting more people in the room, um, or or you know seeing a, a shift? You know what I have. I can honestly say I've seen some of the rooms change, and it it's, it was to the point where I could pretty much write on a piece of paper the the faces that I would see in those rooms. I was like, okay, I already know the black female they're going to get. You know, it's one of three. I already know the <laughs> Hispanic, uh, the Latinx. I can tell you one of three. The uh, the Asian. I, I, I mean, I could I, I could just write down the list of the individuals that would be in the room, and I've seen that now changing. Um, and it, it kind of goes back to the leaders that are that we're selecting. Uh, it goes to the superintendents mm-hmm. that are being selected because very often the superintendents are the ones who select their uh, cabinet level uh, individuals. And we often know people. And so those people get those opportunities. And now I'm seeing a shift in, in the diversity of the hiring of our superintendents, of our leaders. So it's no longer a district where it is traditionally an African-American district where it has an African-American superintendent. It may be a uh, a, a district and this is the first person of color to ever be in that position. And then you're looking at their cabinet level and it's more diverse. You're having more mix up of, of different groups of individuals and not just by race, by uh, LGBTQ plus, you know, so you're seeing all of that happening in those yep. spaces as well. So I'm, I'm really, 
um, happy to see all these different changes. And now the burden of being the black representative is not only on my shoulder <laughs> in those faces, you know, yeah. um, because sometimes, uh, as you said, I, you know, I, I, I don't I want to talk about things other than that. You know, that's not necessarily the badge I want to wear all the time. You know, let's talk about engaging practices. Let's talk about doing as gamifying education. Let's all these great things I want to talk about. I don't just want to be in the room talking about uh, equity and, and access and what are we going right. to do for these kids and those kids um, to get them to the table. That's not the only thing. That's not the only thing I want to talk about. Yeah, no, I am. And it yeah. shouldn't be. I mean, like, that's the. I, I'm glad. I'm glad to see your your seeing some last piece. I want to add on that. It, it, it's it's to the point where I will talk to some of the people who are running these conferences or different things, and say, "Hey, I do. I know some people uh, that you may not know that are trying to do some things." So I was put into myself as well to open those opportunities because somebody opened opportunities for me um, to get a chance to have a platform yeah. to talk in front of people. So, you know, I'm like, Hey, here's somebody else that you may want to look at. Here's this, um, woman who's doing some really great things in technology in this space. Here's this, uh, other African-American male who I know is just needs an opportunity to get out there in front of some people because they have a great story to tell. So uh, I often tell folks, if you have an opportunity to open a door for someone else, going back to that power connections, let, let those people in there. There's enough, there's enough uh, food for everybody to eat. So, you know, everyone has a story to tell. So definitely let give those opportunities to people out there. And, you know, that's one thing I love about a uh, post-pandemic consequence is that all of this original content is being created and given more people platforms to get out here and, and have their voices heard. And for people to say, you know what, I want to hear more for what this person has to say. I want to have them talk to my staff. I want to have this person um, sit on this uh, panel, sit on this a board of advisors as we're shaping out this new tool. So that's one thing I do love about the post pandemic is this, this platform pod, whether it's podcasting, whether it's um, video vodding, vodcasting, whatever it is that people are doing out here. I definitely think yep. it's been really beneficial uh, for a lot of voices, not just in education, but on, in all aspects of our society. Yeah. I love that. It's a start. Yeah. It's a start. I mean, I think that, you know, as you know, and as you, as you alluded to, there's, there's a long way to go before things really starts to change. And I think part of that is, is who's, you know, as you said, it, who's doing the role, but it's also who's invited into those spots where it's, you know, to the spotlight, so to speak. All right, so let's bring it to the next level. Our level four question is about passion. And as everyone listening can hear, you are, are full of passion. Um, what are you most passionate about right now in education? And, and that could be something that you're trying to teach others and help people in your district, or it could really be something that you're passionate about learning more about yourself. Ooh, ooh, good one, good one there. A curveball um, there. I, I can really say that we've really been doing a really uh, big job of in my in my system, and I know I've been really pushing hard for this, and I'm really excited that we're getting some additional resources, is increasing the number of girls that are in coding. Um, mm -hmm. When probably about four years ago now, um, I was at a tech and learning event. It was longer than that, probably six years ago. I was in a tech and learning event and they were talking about coding and computer science and they were sharing the numbers of women who took the, or girls who took the AP uh, a computer science exam across the country. And the numbers were staggering. Um, and then when they broke it down to the minority groups, it was like one uh, black 
female took the AP computer science exam in, in the state of Mississippi. Like, I mean, it was just like, oh my gosh, what's, what's going on here? And, and this was like lagging data. So it may have been like 2015, whatever, whenever it was. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm in a position where I can do something about that. So of course, we all know about the hour of code and all this stuff. So um, I have the privilege to work with a all female instructional team at my in my district, and they're they're some badass ladies. So I just have to say it like that. I mean, they do some really great work, and so I, I challenged them to really um, put something together. And we've been putting together this uh, Inspire Her uh, event, and so. We pull some young ladies in uh, from our schools and we do like a mini conference. We it's totally funded by our our vendors. Uh, we solicit for dona- donations and they all have some of their female programmers um, with a zoom in or coming in in person and talk to the young ladies. We um, have them build out our students, build out portfolios and expose them to opportunities. And we really done some amazing things and open up avenues and giving a career opportunity to some of these young ladies. And this past, um, past month, we actually received a grant from Meta um, for $30,000 to help uh, our program for this next year. And so now we're doing our own okay. camp on the weekends and really doing college visits to, luckily we're very close to Spelman, um, all girl uh, HBCU. So able to take some visits on campus, Georgia State, Georgia Tech, and really give these young ladies an opportunity and exposure to things that they normally would not. And it's not just, hey, give us all your gifted, smart girls. You know, we do look, hey, maybe they're not engaged in class because they haven't found their knack. And we have several students that have said, hey, I really enjoyed what you've been able to do with this program. And I'm passionate about it, but I make sure I'm not in front of it. You know, going back to those ladies that I have the honor to work with, they're up front. You know, I I, I planted the seed and they're running with it. I'm just kind of like that proud papa sitting back watching it happen, you know, and and I'm like, hey, this is y'all's project now. So I'm very passionate about it, because, but I'm not hands on because I don't want to be the hands on person because it's about the power of the ladies and doing those things. And I've had to get out there and defend it. Because there are some people like, what about the boys? We need something for the boys. Well, we have another program called Code 365, where we want our students to code every day. Uh, ultimately, we would like for them to code 365 hours in one year. Oh, cool. And so that's our program for all students. So we, we do know all students need opportunities, but equity is not about equality. Uh, it's, it's about giving who needs what they need when they need it. So we want to make sure that we're supporting our young ladies because they need it right now especially in that uh, upper elementary, middle school age, where they think that computers isn't for them, it's a boy thing. We want to make sure we're pouring into those ladies and letting them know these are these opportunities for them that are out there. Because the way things are going, computers, technology, resources, that's the way of the future. That's how people are going to be, that's how their bread's going to be buttered. So we want to make sure that they're prepared for those opportunities moving forward. All these groups and and the program that you're talking about is incredible. Like to, to provide those opportunities and make it a, non-stigmatized, and B, you know, as you said, it's the pathway to creating. You know, I, I tell my, I mean, I, I have two boys, but I tell them all the time, I was like, listen, you could watch YouTube videos about people modding Minecraft, or you could learn how to mod Minecraft and then make your own videos. Like, yeah. you choose what you want to spend your time doing, but if it was me, it would be to learn to create and to know that you could. Um, so, yeah, it's a very cool program. All right. Well, we have arrived at level five. Our level five question, which is, what is the best piece of advice you've gotten in your educational journey so far? 
Wow, I've gotten so much advice from so many people. Um, some I can say publicly and some I can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, I always go back to my my first department chair back when I taught in Riverdale High School, um, Sergio Brigett. He was the nicest, coolest guy I ever met. Um, and he was uh, from Cuba. And he poured into people. And so I remember one day, and I don't know why he felt the need to tell me this. Keep in mind, I was probably about a second year teacher or whatever, but I guess he saw that I was going to, I had the potential to be a future leader or whatever. But he pulled me to the side and he was like, you know, Adam, I want to make sure you understand that you need to take care of your people. And I was sitting there like, I don't have any people, I just have students or whatever. (laughs) And he was like, as a leader, if you pour into your people, they will run through a brick wall for you. Uh, yeah. He said good test scores will happen. Um, and it was so true because based on how he led the team, I remember one day I didn't turn in a paperwork, some some paperwork on time or something. And um, and he turned it in for me or whatever. And he came and he was like, Adam, I know you. I had asked that you didn't turn it in. And I was able to get the information to turn it in. So. I'm just going to let you know, I really need that. You know, when I, I felt bad, like, he, like he, he didn't chastise me or anything, but the fact that I let Sergio down hurt me because I knew he poured so much and he did, you know, I knew he took time out of his day to do something that I should have done. And so I'm, I've modeled my leadership style as a, as a director, um, as a department leader after Sergio, because I knew how much he poured into the team and the things that he would do and the way most of us would run through a brick wall for him. If he told us to go to hell, we would have wore gasoline draws for him. <laughs> like, you know, that's the kind of leader I felt he was. So I try to emulate that style and and, and put that in as, as my leadership style for my team. And hopefully my team feels the same way that, you know, I have their back. I pour into them. I support them because ultimately I know I'm doing the right work as it pertains to our students and teachers and parents in our community. And if I'm pouring into my team, they're going to stay late, come in early, even though I don't want them to do that, but they're going to get the job done because they know, hey, we don't want to let Adam down and we know this is going to be what's best for kids. This is going to be what's best for our teachers, our community. So we're going to get those done. So I always take those lessons that I took from him to heart and try to emulate that in my leadership style. Yeah. that I mean, that is such great advice. And I, you know, Personally, I, I relate to that as well. I mean, I, I try very hard. We have a team of, of 15 and it's like there's nothing that that I wouldn't do for them. And I and I believe that there's nothing that they wouldn't do for, for what we're doing here. Like, you know, not for me personally, but just like as a culture, like to support one another. That's such a great that's such a great lesson, especially in education. And, you you know, it kind of goes full circle back to what you're talking about with, you know, PLNs or, or, or having uh, the group, because, you know, we have a, a coterie of friends that that are able to rely on each other and ask questions that are work related, but also, you know, get advice on, on things that we're facing. And I think that, you know, whether it's public or a private chat or, you know, that that's in the early days of Twitter, I I know personally, I relied on that quite a, uh, quite a, quite a great deal. So, and and it's where many of us met, you know, especially now we, where you talk about like people wanting to resign and leave jobs, you know, they stay for the people. Um, you know, it's, it's not money's great, but they stay for the people. If they feel that it's a environment that's going to 
that's for them. They're gonna, they'll stay and they'll put up with all kind of crap on the outside as long as they're happy. Because you're, you're with your work family a lot longer than you are with your regular family, unfortunately. So you got to be happy uh, and you got to believe in what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it, it's clear you believe in what you're doing and it's clear that what you're doing is uh, is all kinds of awesome. So I, I certainly thank you very, very much for for spending some time and, and chatting with us. And why don't you tell everyone where we can find you online and, and you know, connect with you more? Um, you can find me all over the place. Uh, <laughs> um, follow me on Twitter at Ask Adam Three. Funny story, real quick about that. Um, I when I got on Twitter, people were like, "Oh, Twitter handle," and I started thinking, "What could I call myself? What could I call myself?" And then I remembered everybody going back to the whole technology piece. They're like, "Oh, you need to oh, just go Ask Adam, Ask Adam, Ask Adam." And I was like, "You know what? It has a ring to it." And I was like, "I'm going to use Ask Adam." Unfortunately, there was already an Ask Adam used out there, and um, I am uh, the third of my name, <laughs> and so I was like, "You know what?" Yeah, it just sounds good, so I'm going to say I'm my Ask Adam three, and that's how uh, I became to be. Um, and you can follow me on the interwebs. I have a website, um, askadam3.com. Um, and I'm just all kind of all over the place. I'll be doing some stuff at ISTE, board member stuff, and also presenting multiple sessions. Um, follow the podcast, Undisrupted, on all streaming platforms. And um, yeah. So basically, just look and you'll and you'll be found. It's uh <laughs> yeah, I mean if you look up Adam File, that's P H Y A double L. Um, even though I am the third, dad's not really on the internet that much. Uh you <laughs> you can find me somewhere. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Well again, thank you so much for hanging out. And until the next time, everyone, game on. <laughs>